And uh, let's go three, two, one. Hey, everybody. How you doing today? And welcome back to Big Apple Hockey, possibly one of our biggest episodes as we're ever going to have. And uh, it's it's a shame that all three of us aren't here, but that'll, that'll be that'll be a time in the future. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams. And once again, he's late on his nameplate. <laughs> Oops, wrong one. There we go. And I'm joined by the man of many hats, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. How's it going, Mark? Uh, yeah, very excited for today's show. Um, lot to talk about, starting with a, a, a big contract extension that came out of the Pacific Northwest last night. You know, that's actually a great point, Anthony. It's almost like the Flames PR department hates hockey bloggers because <laughs> all of their um, all of their news that they've made over the last month, whether it was Mangiapane signing or uh, the the Matthew Kachuk trade or the, uh, this this move, it's all happened at about midnight uh, Eastern time or nine o'clock uh, Pacific time, and it's just like. Guys, you're killing us. Because <laughs> how are we going to talk about it at midnight? No, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Uh, we got a poll question going through right now of who do you think the best shutdown defenseman in the NHL is? So go ahead, throw your throw your options up there. I was kind of uh, I was kind of going to just go 100% Jacob Slavin, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work on more of that. But first, guys, we're gonna start today with some news that. I didn't get to on Wednesday, kind of focused on some other things, but the sports world is just, it's, it's lost, it's lost a piece of history with remembering Vin Scully, the famous baseball announcer uh, that everybody has heard his calls forever, whether it was for baseball, the Dodgers baseball specifically for the masters. He was living proof that you could talk about a perfect game in the middle of a perfect game as it was, uh, he was announcing Don Larson's perfect game in the World Series to 18 in a row retired by uh, Larson, uh, Lawson. And then it just, this guy, if I think if you said an announcer that embodied his sport, Vince Gully was that, Anthony. Yeah, um, he's, he's a legend. Um, I mean, I'm not, again, I, I wasn't, or I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but um you know, his voice is very distinct. Um, you know, I, I obviously did watch baseball, so I heard a lot of his calls. But, um, you know, definitely a legend. Uh, when you think of baseball uh, announcers, he's at the top of the list, just where if you think of hockey announcers, Doc Emmerich's at the top. Um, but, yeah. Sad, very similar but, styles, yeah, by the way. Sad loss for the Dodger family, the baseball family. Um, you know, he will be missed, and he's definitely one of the best of all time. And you know what? 94 years old, that's where you celebrate a, a well-lived life. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. And he, he truly, he was sharp as a, as not, not sharp as a, he was sharp as a, a katana until like the very last day. I remember, I remember seeing his Twitter feeds. It was amazing. And again, I always ask this question. You think about baseball, you think about Vince Gully, you think about hockey, you think about Mike Emmerich, think about football. Is that more Pat Summerall or, yeah. um, Maybe, maybe John Al Madden. Michaels now in the modern era, or you also yeah. have. Um, and basketball is always going to be uh, Marv Albert to me, so it's just that. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, I'm just fixing my other monitor to to see 
a lot of the things we have right now and make sure I have your comments over here. But we're going to move on to now the big news. And Anthony, it's been a roller coaster in Calgary. And who'd have thought Big Apple Hockey would be focusing so much uh, time on Calgary? But we really are. We had two specials for them, especially. So Jonathan Huberto signs an eight-year, $84 million extension. I know when we talked originally uh, when Johnny Gaudreau left that they were going to just go into full rebuild mode. Not going to be the case. You yeah. have you have uh, an MVP candidate in Huberto. Basically, he replaces Johnny Gaudreau and maybe Mangiapane steps up to replace Matthew Kachuk. It's, we said they might go into full rebuild. They're not going to. Go with what your analysis of this right now. Um, get more in depth on that with uh, later in the bar talk with the Brad Tree Living. But, um, you know, overall, I think, you know, this, this is a good signing for Calgary. I mean, I, I understand that he's going to be 30 years old um, when this deal actually kicks in next year. Um, but he's an elite player. Um and this is the price you have to pay to keep these elite players. Um, obviously, with being a pending UFA, they could not afford for him to walk next year after losing Gaudreau and then trading Kachuk. Um, so they had they had to pony up for him, and they did. Uh, you know, 115 points last year. Not sure if he'll replicate that uh, this year playing with Elias Lindholm. No knock on him, but he's not uh, Barkov. Um, but with that said, Huberto can drive a line by himself. He's an outstanding playmaker, passer. Uh, he skates well. Um, and like I said, he, he's, you know, he's going to re- essentially replace Johnny Gaudreau. And, you know, Andrew Maggiapani will probably move up to the first line. You remember, he scored 35 goals last year. Uh, he didn't even play in the top line. He played in the second line with Backlund. So, um, you know, he's coming off a, a fresh three-year extension worth, you know, $5.8 million, So he'll definitely get more ice time. Um, but, you know, Calgary... You know, like I said, after, you know, losing Gaudreau and then finding out that Kachuk wanted out, it would have been easy for Trey Living to kind of just, you know, roll over and soak a little bit and maybe rebuild. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, they come out of this with Jonathan Huberto and he's locked up long term. So uh, kudos for him. He definitely got paid. Um, again, his age, he's a little older, uh, but 29 years old. But it is what it is. Like I said, you had to pay to keep him. And I, I personally think that. You get, uh, I, I think Huberto's an upgrade over over Gaudreau. This is no offense to Gaudreau in any way, but uh, I know there's similar players, but that's could that could be something. He's I, I think he just facilitates a little bit more. Now, it's is it marginal? Could be because Gaudreau's a hell of a player. I and again, I'm not ripping on Gaudreau in any way, but this this is just something that I've uh, they were my pick to win the Stanley Cup last year and they came far short as they lost the Edmonton Oilers. Part of it had to do with uh, Tanev's injury uh, that he was out for most of that series. That could have changed a lot of things. And now looking at this, this team now doesn't have to just think, well, what happens in February if they're just as good as they were last year or even better how about that? Because you still got Mackenzie Weaver to a Weaver to talk about, and uh, and that defense can be that good, and they're they're scary if they keep it all together. So now you, you still lost over two hundred points. You can't argue with that. But 
They're going to be a better defensive team, I think. Uh, Daryl Sutter knows how to coach. We, we know this. He's got two Stanley Cup rings, everybody, So as a coach. So let, let's let's see what happens from here. I, I for one, if, if I was a Calgary Flames fan and I wrote about them you know, with the, uh, the smoky future of the Flames that's on uh, the Big Apple Hockey Podcast, and it's dot uh, com. Sorry, that's our website. And it's it, it's just for them. Good for good for Calgary. So now the, the, the Pacific is looking really good. More on that in a minute. But here's a question that's kind of gone around a little bit, Anthony. And I hope I, you can still replicate the face you made. But what exactly does the the Huberto signing mean for JT Miller? Nothing. I mean, they're they're not really they're not really related. Uh, you know, JT Miller had a very strong year last year, ninety nine points, but um, he's not in the same class as Huberto, in my opinion. You know, aside from Huberto's one hundred and fifteen point season last year, he's had a ninety two point season prior. He's definitely more of an established player. Um, so I don't I don't think it it really means much uh, to be honest with you. Uh, JT Miller, um, I mean, obviously, if he puts up 90 points again, he'll, you know, he'll certainly get paid, but um, he's not exactly in Huberto's class. So we'll see what Vancouver decides to do with him. There have been obviously a lot of rumors regarding his, you know, future in Vancouver. I mean, hell, he was almost traded to the Islanders on draft day. So, um, you know, at this point, though, I think they're probably going to keep him and, and hope to resign him. We'll see. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they're out of it at the deadline, then for sure, I would say he'll probably be traded. But as for now, I think he's going to start the season in Vancouver. And, um, you know, hopefully for the Canucks' sake, he does replicate it, what he did last season. I'm sure if he does, they'll have no problem paying him. I think it's definitely his value is to the Vancouver Canucks. I don't see it, him replicating that on a different team. And they're, I think they moved them back to the middle. And under Bruce Boudreaux, he just knows a way to coach offense out of guys. A lot yeah. of guys' career years always come under Bruce Boudreaux. And... I think the Canucks are a dangerous team next year. I've talked about this extensively and it's only, it's only going to get better and better as far as they go They're Um, as far as the JT Miller contract goes, just what you just said, uh, I think Miller's career high previous to this was 70 points. That's about it. So let's, let's see you do it again, kid, before we start talking about yeah. $9 million or, or such. I mean, if that would be the case, like even Nazem Kadri would come come down a little bit less on that. Don't say, right. say his name too loud, Mark. I uh, know. Well, because after all, I, I heard that he's around here, but I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but uh, also, everybody, just got to mention, check out manscapes.com and use the promo code BAH for 20% off and free shipping because you can get stuff like The Shed, which is right over here. And... The weed whacker for your nose and ear hair, and of course the lawnmower, which I can't suddenly get out, which is really good. It doesn't nick you whatsoever, and you know what? You don't want to look like a fuzzball, right? <laughs> so maybe not Anthony. He's got a veritable forest going on down there, but yeah. uh, nope. but no. So check it out. Promo code BAH twenty percent off and free shipping. But. We were just going to originally just have a Jacob Slavin interview. Instead, we have a full show for you today because we've got a lot more to talk about. So let's do a little quick bar talk segment. I'm going to take a shot on this one. You're going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. 
Just by the way, to mention a couple of these quotes that are in here, I just saw two of them. David, I understand what you're saying, but you know what? I actually, you know what? Other than Matthew Kachuk being off that team, it's basically the same team as it was. I would not be surprised if if he does replicate it. That's how good um, a Jonathan Huberdeau is. And I still haven't called him Justin Huberdeau accidentally. But as Jonathan Sawyer saying, how does Calgary managed to fleece the Panthers with no leverage. I don't know why they did it, but by yeah. the way, we're going to get to that topic right now. So everybody, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're going to buy everybody around? Uh, you're not confident at all. Oh my goodness, I just need a shot. Or just so-so. I'll, have, I'll take a beer. So play along with us in the comments, throw some beers shots and buying down below and we're going to start off with the new york rangers right now the new york rangers should trade ryan reeves to make room for tyler mott or paul stastny mr larocco um i'm gonna go round uh you know ryan reeves there's no doubt that he was great for the rangers in the room bringing the team together but at the end of the day um for a guy who's very limited on the ice making you know almost two million dollars i believe 1.75 million um you know if you could move his salary out the range of 1 million, you're left you know, almost $3 million of cap space. That might be enough to get a Paul Stassi, which Michael Rupp on NHL network reference that could be good for the Rangers. Um, and the, the one thing I'll say about the Rangers is the one weakness um, that is, I, I don't really think they're still very deep down the center ice position. Yeah. There's a Benajan and Trocek, which is good, but, their third line center is Filipino, and let's face it, aside from the playoffs last year, he's been wildly inconsistent for the Rangers and hasn't really performed up to standards. Um, and when you match the Rangers up to other teams, one through four at center ice, um, they're not often going to win that battle. Uh, and I think to really go far, you need to be deep at center. And adding a guy like Paul Stastny adds veteran leadership. Uh, he could play in all situations. Um, and I just think overall strengthens the team. And at this point in his career, he shouldn't be all that expensive. Um, definitely more than a million, which is what they have now. But by moving out Reeves, they might be able to afford a Paul Stastny. So um, I think for sure, if this is possible, the Rangers should look into doing it. Uh, I'm actually going to go beer on this. And the economics of everything you're saying make 100% sense. But I think they still might need uh, – they might need the nuclear warhead known as Ryan Reeves, both to energize the team out in the locker room and before they jump on the ice. And also just in case if somebody like Tom Wilson is taking liberties and you need the snot kicked out of them. Barkley Goodrow has something to do with that. That's fine. Uh, they got other guys that could step in and, and basically take that role as well. But Reeves is, is the nuke you, you, you throw him down. He's, he's the big deterrent. Nobody wants to mess with Ryan Reeves. Is it a long-term thing? I don't think it is. They they might need to free up some room. And you know what? The only thing is Ryan Reeves. That's why definitely no shot on this for me. So I, we're going to keep on going. So we go to the New York Islanders. And the New York Islanders should extend Noah Dobson rather than bridging him. Mr. LaRocco, go right ahead. Well, well, first, let's just say, I mean, I think I think this one's already in the draw, along with Kadri and some other things. So it's probably already done, but... Um, I will, I will say, I, I think that it's probably benefits both, um, both teams if they do a bridge, not rather extend them long-term because in Dobson's case, in his first full year in the league, 
at a very young age, he already put up 50 points. Um, with the salary cap rising in the next couple of years and the fact that he's going to get better, um, he might as well take a bridge because if he does do that and he gets better and even goes to 60, 70-point defenseman or whatever it is, he's going to be able to earn a lot more money on that next contract than he would if he extended long-term now. And for the Islanders, um, it also by giving him a bridge, it keeps the number manageable. If they were to give him a long-term deal right now, at the very least, they'd probably have to give him $6 million. Um, which might be a little difficult for their situation. On a bridge, they could probably get them right now at $4 million, which is more beneficial to them. So I think it, for both sides, a bridge a bridge is better, but I do understand extending long-term also is very good. But um, So for, I'll say beer for this. Uh, I'm actually going to go shot, and there's only one reason why, because the limited salary cap. They now should they try to extend them long term? Sure, go right ahead. But you don't know what that dollar amount is that Dobson's going to want to look for and what he's worth yet. That's that's all things that's going to that's going to settle itself and figure itself out. Now, I don't we don't know how much Cadre is getting. They had eleven million dollars on the books, and yes, if they go over that number, they have to trade probably Josh Bailey and Anthony Bovillier, and they can go for bigger money. You don't have to do it yet. Dobson, I mean, hell, Ryan Pollock had, what, how many points is the season before Trotz got there? He got he had 50 points too, I think. So it's wait, wait to see what the kid does the second season. Then figure out where you're going. I think right now a two-year bridge is fine. You pay him, and by the way, that's what Lou's going to do anyway. Pay him maybe $3.5 million for each one. I have a lot of confidence he's going to be a good player, but – Let's let's wait and see on that. I think the bridge is the better deal. So, Anthony, with Calgary solidifying itself and looking like they're actually going to be a good team, the Pacific Division will be better than the Metropolitan Division. Um, beer. I, I still think the Metro is probably the toughest division in hockey. Um, you know, you have the Hurricanes, you have the Rangers, uh, you have the Penguins and fly, uh, Penguins and Capitals, even though we've been predicting them to drop, but they still haven't. So you still got to always include them when you're talking about the Metro. Um, the Islanders had an outlier of a year last year. They should be back in the mix for sure. Um, so there's a lot of strong teams right there. Um, and the Pacific, don't get me wrong. Um, I mean, they, they're good. I mean, you got good teams in that division, you know, Calgary and Edmonton and such. But um I think the Metro is still a little of a heavier, deeper division, but the Pacific definitely for my money in terms of the West is the best division. Uh, I'm a Metro guy. So it's hard for me to get off the Metro, but the Pacific, if we're going to break it down and then I'm going to try to figure out my answer. As I say this, the Pacific is going to have the best player in hockey. The team I picked to win the Stanley cup last year. Now granted, they're not going to be as good. There you got the most dangerous team outside the playoffs that I picked, that's the Vancouver Canucks. They have the probably one of the, the best up-and-coming franchises in the L.A. Kings. They got the team a lot of people picked to, to go to the Stanley Cup Finals in the Las Vegas Golden Knights. More on them in a moment. And uh, then they have the Anaheim Ducks, which is probably going to be the last-place team in that division. And uh, the Seattle Kraken, which is coming off an expansion year that let's see whether or not people think uh, Dave Haxtell is the right coach for that job. So yeah. where I'm getting at with all those is I'm going to go, I'm going to go beer. Uh, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go beer 
The only reason why is because I don't know who the I, we know Anaheim is probably going to be the whipping boy, and they're going to be they might be better than the Flyers, and the Flyers are really the weakest team in the Metro. Well, you look at the Metro; they got seven at least pretty good teams, if not yeah. strong teams. Do the Devils take the next step? Does Goudreau make Columbus better? They had 81 points last year. Are the Islanders back? Are the, are the Capitals going to fall off? Uh, is Pitts, Pittsburgh still at Sidney Crosby and all those guys? I I can't say the Pacific is going to be better. And everybody's just going to whip up on the Flyers. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Philly fans. I, don't, I, I have no confidence in the Flyers this year, especially, I mean, Tortorella is a great coach. This, if if he gets them into the playoffs, that's the best job he's ever done. So, uh, yeah, it's just beer for me. Let's go on to uh, two guys that are free agents right now. There are others, but we're going to specifically focus on these two. Anthony, Evan Rodriguez and Phil Kessel are facing the harsh reality of the cap world. Um, round for sure. I mean, these are guys that I mean, obviously Phil Kessel's not the player he once was, and um, but still, he, he could be a formidable depth scorer, um, especially if you put him on a team like the Oilers, who he'd been, he's been linked to, even though they're over the cap and have to move people. But that's besides the point. Um, and Evan Rodriguez kind of established himself as a strong third-line center in this league. So um, the fact that they are still unavailable – sorry, available – just shows that there are so many teams that are tight against the cap that they simply don't have enough money to commit to guys like this and make it work. Um, I'm almost positive that these guys have been told by teams we're interested, but we can't do anything right now. We have to wait until our cap situation becomes a little more clear and we move some bodies out. Um, and that's just the reality of the situation. And I think that's why you see so many players on July 1st, uh, well, historically July 1st, sign on the first day because you, you don't want to be left without a seat at the table. Um, and then you kind of just, you know, kind of just hoping to, Job, jump on a team and get a spot here. So, um, it's the yeah, it absolutely is the harsh reality of the cap world. They're good players. Um, in normal circumstances, if there was no cap, they would have teams right now. Um, and they're these these guys are above PTOs. I think they will land contracts, but um, like I said, given the climate right now, they they're forced to just kind of wait it out. It's amazing. It really is because especially that there's. 11 teams in the NHL currently over the salary cap, including, by the way, again, the Philadelphia Flyers. The Then there's another uh, eight teams, wait, 10 teams that have less than $5 million to spend. And then you have to ask, do I want to go to the other teams? If I'm, if, if I'm Phil Kessel, am I signing with the Winnipeg Jets? Or am I signing with the Detroit Red Wings? Actually, the Red Wings, maybe. Maybe the Dallas Stars, who have $10 million, but they still have to re-sign Jason Robertson. There's uh, the Chicago Blackhawks don't want to sign anybody. They'll sign one of us before that. The Islanders have $11 million of cap space because, you know, file the damn contracts, Lou. And lastly, I mean, and the Arizona Coyotes are under the cap, so they actually have to sign somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if they do sign Evan Rodriguez and try to like use him to get to the cap floor. So that's, I mean, the Buffalo Sabres, they would make sense, but they, they also watch this movie and go, Evan Rodriguez, we saw it. We didn't like it. 
know. And yeah. Phil Kessel is Phil Kessel sort of like a finishing touch piece for a playoff team. You know, so and, and, it's one of those. Too, the, the other component to this is, I mean, we're, we're in early August. You know, most guys already want to know what their situations are by now and where they're going to be playing. Because typically, you know, you have these guys start filing back into um, their home cities, you know, by the end of August because you're already starting informal skates. So in a perfect world, I think these guys wish they probably had teams um, so they could kind of set out their plans, especially if you have family, kids in school and whatnot. Um so it kind of it kind of sucks, but again, you know, like I said, this is just the reality of the cap world, and so many teams strapped. But um, they will find teams, and they are good players. But it, I mean, it's absolutely around here, no question about it. And also, Anthony, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people forget the human aspect of of this. It's a job. You have to go yeah. to the, a, a new location. You have to find out where you're living, find an apartment if you're a single guy, find a house if you got a family. And get your kids in school. There's there's so many other components to it that it's not just it's not just oh we signed him one day before mm-hmm. preseason starts. Oh, and he's ready to go. Hey, look at that. It's then he's yeah. got to worry about a lot of other things. By the yeah. way, everybody, right now we got 34 of you, of you watching. Leave a like and for the channel. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to us already. We got a great interactive podcast and a library of videos. Check them all out right now. Only about eight is uh, – oh, we got – we're up to 10 now. We have a goal of 50 likes, so please, everybody get it up there. We made it last week. Well, the last show was Wednesday, so we made it two days ago. So there we go. Let's keep going, Anthony, because we actually got a lot of bar talk conversations, which might struggle a little bit. We were talking about Bradtree Living and what a great job he's done. But Bradtree Living is already – I thought I clicked it – the GM of the Year finalist. The Jim Gregory Award. Uh, I'm going to start this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying them around. Like, how do you navigate those waters where there was seemingly sharks, killer whales, piranhas, everything? And he's he's kind of come out clean. I can't believe it. I'll see it to you. Hey, you, you changed you changed up the wording on this one, Ami. So it's throwing me off. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he's. You can already say he's a GM of the year finalist, because um, at the end of the day, he, you know, he lost uh, two of his franchise franchise players. But then again, he did trade for an elite player and extended him. Um, but it was looking like it was going to be an ugly offseason for Calgary when you lose two guys in Gaudreau and Kachuk that both are over a hundred points. Um, the fact that he lost both of them and came came out of it with Jonathan Huberto and signed them long term. Um, is impressive because, like I said, you know, once he once he found out Kachuk was asking for a trade, he could have just you know traded him for futures and kind of just started over. But um, you know, he pivoted and got a player in return that will enable them to still compete uh, at a similar level to they did last season. So, um, GM of the year finalist, that's tough. I mean, because I, I do think there are still other holes in their lineup there, um, but. Given his circumstances, he's done he's done a really good job, and I'm I'm pretty sure that most Calgary Flames fans are happy with the result, with all things considered. They could definitely breathe easy in Calgary, so uh, that, that's that's now they just got to worry about Mackenzie Weger. So and and he's and he's a very good defenseman. Yeah. So that's that's another great pickup. Everybody's forgetting they're they're focusing on Huberto. You're forgetting about Mackenzie Weger. Anthony, it's in the NHL's best interest for Connor Bedard not to end up in Arizona. 
I mean, is there like multiple rounds you could buy on this? Um, I mean, did you did you see the 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 highlight reel goal he scored the other night? Uh, Phil commented on it on Twitter, but it was you know it was pretty filthy. He kind of dangled around the defenseman, and um, and he also went in between the legs on the goalie. Um, he's just an electric player, uh, like almost like a human highlight reel. There's a reason why he's been compared to McDavid, um, and for him to end up on the Arizona Coyotes and play for a team that for the foreseeable future is only going to be able to hold 5,000 people and 5,000 people are limited to watching the next generation play every single night. Um, I think that would be bad, bad for the game. I mean, you want Bedard to in, end up in a city where, you know, all eyes are on him. Um, you know, multiple thousands, thousands of people could go watch him play every night on a nightly basis. Um, and that's not going to happen in Arizona. Uh, I mean, I, I get I get it from the angle of, well, maybe a guy like Connor Bedard could help grow the game in Arizona and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think it would be much better if he ended up in another city because right now playing in front of a 5,000-capacity arena every night, um, that's not a situation you want your next one to be in. So uh, I'm definitely going around on this. I'm going 100% shot. And here's the reason why. And it looks very angry. I, we're, I'm trying to figure out a voice for the shot, by the way, everybody. It looks like you're talking like this. Anyway, here's the reason why. Let me take you back to 1984. There was a struggling franchise in Pittsburgh that desperately needed help financially. And also, they already they had the IRS padlocking their office. And they declared bankruptcy. Then comes Mario Lemieux. And not only saves Pittsburgh, gets him a new franchise, and then ends up taking over ownership for them. They ends up playing for them again to help raise more money. Then they end up getting Sidney Crosby. Now they have a new arena. They're worth a billion dollars as, as a franchise. This, they're, they're set. So that's sometimes what it takes. It takes a player to come in, and then suddenly you're going to fill that 5,000-seat arena and – I'm saying that a little bit joking, Anthony, because if they can't fill it, fill it right now, then we're, we have real problems. Arizona State is looking to become a powerhouse in college hockey. And I think throwing Connor Bedard in there, also Austin Matthews being from Arizona, now you get more chatter about Arizona hockey. And then you talk an arena in a real place, not like Glendale, and they could actually build up this franchise. It's possible. And, and you know what? A guy like Bedard, by the way, I'll finish the punchline out of all this in a second, but a guy like Bedard would generate that much more interest. And that would be a franchise saving player for the Arizona Coyotes who won't win the lottery anyway to get him because the NHL will definitely send him to the flyers or someplace like that. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but the, the things, it's a little different. Pittsburgh is at least in a, a city that's more of a traditional hockey market. Um, and they were playing in an arena that held more than 5,000 people before Mario Lemieux came. So I think, I think it's a little, I think it's a little different. I get, I get the angle you're trying to go there. Uh, but I, I just feel like this is too different. I, I think Bedard ending up in Arizona would be um, a dreadful situation. Dreadful situation for Arizona. I mean, think about if you went to Montreal. I mean, forget about it. 
I mean, he, 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 that, that would be spotlight. That'd be good for the league. Or if he ended up in Chicago, original six city, you know, that would be good too. That would just make every um, but, NHL fan roll their eyes. They just won three Stanley Cups over the last decade. They tanked one season. They, well, admittedly tanked one season. They were not trying to tank the last two seasons. And then then they end up with a generational player. Ooh, goody. So it's just one of those things that it'll, it'll, it'll make the rest of us just cringe. Anthony, sticking with hockey in the desert, the Las Vegas Golden Knights will miss the playoffs again this year. I think I'm going to go around on this one. Um, I mean, they – the problem is they're not, they're not a bad team, but there's a lot of good upcoming team – up-and-coming teams around them. I mean, if you look at it, you got to put Edmonton ahead of them right now. Um, mm-hmm. You obviously certainly put in Colorado, uh, still Calgary, um, you know, likely Minnesota too, St. Louis. Um, and – some of the decisions they made over the last couple of years is head scratching. The whole flurry thing was odd. Um, Max Pacioretty, I don't know if you saw his comments um, now that he left Vegas. He said that there's really no pressure to win there. Um, it's just they, they trade they trade every one of their former top prospects for the next shiny new toy, um, and it never really seems to work out for him. If you yeah, they have Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Mark so Riley Smith. But then if you look at some of their the rest of their depth on the roster, Keegan Colsar, Mike mm-hmm. Amadeo, I mean they're 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 not they're not a complete team. Um so I don't know. I mean, yeah, they're they're not a bad team, but I just think there's too many teams that are gonna be ahead of them at this point. I gotta go beer because they were knocking on the door last year. I'm still not a believer that Robin Leonard might get him in the playoffs alone. I understand that he's done that already with the New York Islanders and not really so much with some other teams, but um, there's, there's a lot of talent there. Now, if they all stay healthy, if they could get everything under the cap, that's a different story. And I hate saying if they all can stay healthy and you're not really sure about that. Jack Eichel is still yet to play a playoff game in his <laughs> career. I, 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 I am just dumbfounded by that. Then now Connor McDavid has more more games in the second round, or sorry, let me correct that. Connor McDavid has as many wins in the conference finals as Jack Eichel has playoff games played. So uh, it's it's one of those things. I, it's it it. I'm I can't I can't even find the words to say it. As a matter of fact, the joke didn't even work either. So that's uh, <laughs> I, I I am gonna go beer. They still got. Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy is a, is a hell of a That's coach. A yeah, he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Let's see what it is. He, it, is it for me? His, his message probably got watered down in the last one. And we got, lastly, guys, the Ottawa Senators are the most – let me fix that one. It's the most improved team in the playoffs. Sorry about that. Or the season. So, uh Hey, let's try this one again. The Ottawa Senators are the are the most improved team this offseason. Anthony. Um I think once again I'm gonna go I'm gonna go round here. Um you know Alex DeBrinket is developing to elite score if he isn't one already. Um and then you added Claude Giroux, who, you know, even though he's you know a little bit of an older veteran, is still producing at a good clip. Um 
So that that makes a, a, a forward group that was already actually pretty good um, even better. You know, so when you, you know, add those guys to Batherson, who had a hell of a year, and Josh Norris, who's a revelation, and Tim Stutzler and Brady Kachuk, um, you know, they, they got they got a good forward squad. Um, their defense needs still needs a little bit of work, but um, they're going to they're going to be a much better team. I mean, I I mean, I know I don't know what's going on with Bergeron and Krejci. You thought those were in the bag uh, and they probably still are, but they haven't fished on a resign in Boston. Um, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that Boston, for instance, would be that much of a better team than Ottawa. So I think Ottawa's going to make a lot of headway this year. Um I think they're still a year off from making the playoffs or two. They, like I said, they really need to improve their defense. Um, their goaltending, Anton Forsberg, who had a, had a good year on a bad team, and they get a 920 save percentage. Uh, and then they added, you know, Cam Talbot. So um, they're, they're, they're going to be a solid team, and they're definitely improved. So um, you could say the same about a, a couple other teams, but I think Ottawa, for me, um, is probably my pick. I'm trying to think of any other team I would even put in that class with them. I mean, maybe the Dallas Stars, I think, possibly could be. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of one. I, I don't want to just automatically say it's them, so I'm going to go beer on that. I still think Ottawa's thin on defense. They are, definitely. That's, that's part of the problem. Anton Forsberg, he's played – and I always call this the Yaroslav Halak rule because Yaroslav Halak never played a lot of games until he got the Islanders and he tapered off usually at the end of the season, whether or not I'm right or not. I just, that's what I always call it. I call it the Mandela effect. But it, and for him, he's played, this is his career games played. I'm going to start in 2014, 2015 with uh, Columbus. Five games, then the next year, four games, one game, 35 with Chicago in 2018. Three games, eight games, 46 games. I am not sure he can stand the load as number one goaltender. And I do understand they have Cam Talbot, who is who is conditioned for a longer season. But it's one of those things. He might get exposed if he's out there longer. So we'll see about that one. And actually, Anthony, I think that does it for the Bar Talk segment right now. So let's, uh, let's check on everybody, see how – See some of your comments. There was a lot of people that were playing along with that. And yeah, like said before, Jonathan brings brings up a good one right here. Detroit is a team you could say greatly improved next year. Uh, but as Lauren is saying right here, I mean to bring out and Claude and and some other their top prospects joining them, what what more do you need? So uh <laughs> David Perron, Detroit. So yeah, no, the Detroit. Detroit added some pieces for sure. Yeah, Detroit. Detroit has a lot of good pieces in there. They added another goalie too. Um, and yet you get Billy Huso going there. That could be yep. a great tandem coming in. By the way, Go Palms is right. You want to make your party or your backyard look good? Go get palm trees. He's right there, and they got two locations on Long Island. But also, guys, he's right about that. Let's get some likes up here. We're trying to get to about fifty likes for this broadcast been given a nice lower one and also but, um, um you got when you're talking about improved teams you also want to talk about seattle i mean they got they got oliver bjorkstrand for pretty much free um and then they got they signed andre borakovsky so th those are those are two pretty good offensive players that they added to a group that already includes mccann and eberly and 
Jane Schwartz, so uh, Yanni Gord. So that they're they're improved too, for definitely at least when it comes to the forward group. And Andrew is saying this, Anthony. How about this one? Imagine the Islanders with Detroit's forward group plus Barzell. Now, I don't want to exactly throw that away because the Islanders still had a 30-goal scorer, two-way center in Brock Nelson. You got J.G. Yeah. Pajot if he's healthy. That's really good. And the Islanders got plenty of, of talent in their forward group. And as Greg is saying right here, you can see Ottawa and Detroit in the playoffs in 2024. Now, he's given himself two years. Smart move. Yeah. But it's uh, – how many playoff spots do you think are up for grabs in the Eastern Conference right now. Well, I mean, you got to, you got to look, you got to look at it at, like this. Um, and with that said, I'll, I'll use this example. Um, you know, going into last season, you know, Dan Rosen said he saw no holes in the Islanders. Everyone thought they were locked for the playoffs and they missed. So when you, when you, when you do this exercise, you got to remember anything can happen, but it's probably safe to say that the, that the Rangers, the Hurricanes, um, are going to be are going to be two spots for sure. Uh, then you have Florida, Tampa Bay, um, Toronto. Where are we up to uh, five or so, six? Um, mm-hmm. you know, from there, you're talking. You know, I think the Islanders will be back in the mix. Um, so does that leave one, one or two spots? So one or two spots, you know, and presumably it, wild card ones. Yeah. So it just. That that's that's really a, a fair guess to make, um, but again, you, you just you just don't know. You know, any anything can happen. You know, so uh, it's, right. it is really hard to predict. And that's why I think I think the um, I think the West is a little bit easier to predict. But even at that, the Pacific Division is going to be all over the place. If you can predict predict the the Pacific Division, then. You know, I'll give you a cookie. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have that much money, so <laughs> I can't get and this, this is what this is what I was kind of alluding to before when you said not, you know, nothing's nothing's a lock. But David said the Rangers and the Florida are not locks to make it. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, the Islanders proved that that's that that's certainly possible. Same with Vegas. No one would have ever expected Vegas to miss the playoffs going into next season. So. Um, I mean, you ask yourself, how would teams like the Rangers or Panthers not make the playoffs? Panthers maybe wouldn't make the playoffs if Barkov got hurt. Um, Carver Hagee came back down to earth. Makachuk didn't mesh well. As for the Rangers, how do they miss the playoffs? You know, Chris Kreider goes back to his 20-goal self. Um, you know, Igor Shosturkin isn't Superman, and he's just, and he's just good. Could happen. So you, you don't. Again, you 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 really you really don't know, you know. But I would I wouldn't bet on any of that happening. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on the top two teams in the Metro going anywhere in the Rangers and the Hurricanes. And I'm not just saying that because of our guest today, but I just firmly believe that they're going to be fine. And I like their coaching. And a matter of fact, I still like the coaching in Pittsburgh. I think Mike Sullivan's done a tremendous job. I just don't know whether or not that's really going to be. Uh, I just don't know about them being able to they're, they're just such an old team i just don't know whether or not they could do it they got Sidney crosby that's what matters and uh then you have washington you know peter laviolette is great as great of a coach as he is he's got a shelf life we all know this and 
Uh, and then, of course, if Washington, with their age and their injury history on a lot of things, it's 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 all up in the air. Boston, half the, their their premier players are out half the season, so they're going to start behind the eight ball. We still don't know about Bergeron and Krejci, so yeah. there's there's still a lot more that has to come. And you know, the Ranger DP Ranger fans say Isles win the division, and um, honestly, that's not. That's not, that's not crazy. They got they got the goaltending to do it. They you know with with Romanov, their defense is going to be much better. Uh, adding Nazem Kadri, so yeah, you you never you never know. I mean, realistically, um, there's about mm, yeah, I, the Rangers, Hurricanes, Islanders uh, could 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 win the division. Could mm-hmm. Washington still win the division, even though we've been predicting the fall off? Yeah, they could. They could. I mean, Nick Backstrom being out hurts, but they still could do it. There's and and again, that's where the the hard part of this comes in. How, does Tampa Bay fall off finally? How about that one? There was at one point where Tampa Bay looked like they were starting to fall off, and then they re- had a resurgence. Florida, uh, look, Bobrovsky might drop off again, or because uh, only it. God only knows what Paul Maurice is going to do for that team. Is he going to be good for them? Is he going to? stifle their offense which they were predominantly an offensive team last year uh is spencer knight gonna come up and save them it's florida's got so many different variables i can't even begin to think about them so uh as jonathan's saying right here canes canes winning the cup this year uh cj uh no you should do a poll about my tweet about having our home jerseys with the orange and white outlined uh, numbers full-time. I actually kind of like those, the, those orange jerseys that the Islanders had a while ago. He's but, not, he's not, he's not talking about the orange, the Jersey orange. He's talking about the number, the number on the back being orange outlined in white. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why not? That That's that on good. their alternates. Yeah. But, and of course our hurricanes contributor right here, Pete Mackin, who is saying Paul Maurice has never met expectations when they are high. That is true. He's taken a team to the Stanley cup finals in the Carolina hurricanes. I think that was 2002. And uh, I mean, I just don't know about, about Maurice. So uh, I'm I'm trying to think of other teams that look, (laughs) Oh no. No. If we can get to a thousand likes, maybe I'll think about dialing. (laughs) <laughs> uh you heard the I mean, man you heard the man yeah so let's, let's get it up guys come on let's get it up but defensive mind warren is saying it best right here i think we clicked on the same one anthony paul Maurice is a defensive mind coach she will help the teams over all over all over a team to play but the offense will have to come strictly from the players themselves yeah and that's basically the way it, it happened in winnipeg that it was Shifley and uh, Wheeler that had great seasons. Wheeler had 1.40 power play points. Just wow. So yeah, Wheeler Wheeler's been a great player, but you know, with his age, he's starting starting to fall off a little bit. And with his contract, um, you know, making over eight million, that that's a tough one. But um, so we should have we should have uh, Jacob Slavin joining us about you know maybe a little less than fifteen minutes. Yep. And I got one banner I got to put on there for him because, after all, the uh, 
Now the Carolina Carolina Hurricanes are playing an outdoor game, and uh, I, that's that's going to be probably the greatest tailgate in in NHL history. Maybe I don't know. Like they, they I always hear about how great a tailgate is down there. <laughs> that's a little loophole there, Mark. He does it. You know what? Go right ahead. <laughs> and make sure everybody is watching full time and liking it. There you go. Uh, Anthony, did you ever have an outdoor game yourself? Um, or play outdoors? I did well, play I mean, outdoors maybe about, I don't know how long ago that was, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, it was an outdoor rink. Um, that's obviously, of course, seasonal out somewhere in Nassau. I forget where exactly where it was, but uh, it was like an open hockey that this guy always or, always um, organizes. Uh, me and some of my buddies played. And then obviously pond hockey and stuff, but that, that's different. And NC State, that's where they're playing. Okay. Um, I Well, fortunately for me, I had – how are we doing, Scott? Uh, fortunately for me in high school, I always played outdoors anyway. And Beth page before the new rink was made, it used to be an outdoor rink with a chain link fence. And there was a, a, a stone overhang that was over it, but it was still outdoors. And trust me, when we had, uh, when we had, um, just the wind gusts and that were minus 15, you, you couldn't find you couldn't find enough clothing to throw on underneath that, but we, we always yeah, outdoor games are are great. the The problem is when I went to the outdoor game, the Rangers Islanders won back in 2014, and it was a Yankee Stadium. It was in the single digits. It was actually colder on the Sunday afternoon versus the Devils. And thank God I've said I've told this story before for you guys, but. I thank God my friend's wife found a hot chocolate station at Yankee Stadium that they put Jameson in every single hot chocolate. <laughs> so we yep. have doubles of Jameson and hot chocolate in there. Right now we got 35 of you guys in the chat. We got about uh, 10 more minutes till Jacob Slavin is joining us. So we'll still take some questions and hear some of your comments right now. Uh, yeah, I know. We're, well, we're working on it one, one day at a time. See, you know what? I still think, and, and I know some people are saying with the fish sticks logos, but I still would rather have seen the redesigned where it's the lighthouse instead for the Islanders. That was great. Well, I think I think the uh, the fisherman logo is coming back for the reverse retro jersey this year. Those are the those are the rumors that the Islanders reverse retro is gonna be of the fisherman. Oh, I, I, I'm, sh I'm shocked by that. I really am. Because if, if that's the case, then it's like that everybody hated that when I was growing up and now, now it's a big thing. Yeah. So, um, this is, this is the million dollar question that I guess only, you know, only Lou can answer. I mean, me, me personally, um, I don't see how he's fooling anybody. Um, the, the assumption is that by him not announcing his contracts uh, and what everyone got in terms of Dobson, Romanov, Bellows, Kadri, um, that teams don't know exactly how much cap space he has, 
when it comes to trying to make a trade to dump salary. Um, but that's, again, that's flawed a little bit because, you know, other general managers aren't stupid. They, they can kind of guesstimate and value what Romanov's worth, Dobson, what Kadri got, and then figure out what they're left with. So, um, but who knows? I, I think, I think that's the rationale behind it. Um, I just think it's, it's silly. And I mean, no one else does this. Uh, and even Lou himself, you know, Lou, Lou didn't start doing this uh, until last season. Um, it wasn't until September 1st when he announced the contract extensions for Sezikis, Palmieri, Bovillier, and Ilya Sorokin. He announced all of them on the same day. And then the UFA signing of Zach Parise, um, that didn't get announced until maybe like five or six days later. So uh, this is just what he does. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I, I think it's it's old and tired. Um, I don't get it. Very. There's that's that's why I can answer that question. Again, I will repeat this over and over again. There's about maybe two or three teams that could even think about offer sheeting Dobson, and you can't offer sheet. Um, you can't offer sheet Romanov, so don't worry about that. Just announce the damn freaking signings. I mean, yep. come on. He's not, he's not going to do it, Mark. So I would just clear your schedule until September 1st, and then we'll have a lot to talk about. But um, but then again, I, I, don't know, I don't know how much longer he can keep it under wraps because you got to think eventually Kadri's going to come into town and you know someone will spot him at Northwell because it is open to the public. Um, it's getting to be that time, that time of year. But um, you know who, who really knows? Uh, uh, CJ, this is actually quite the opposite. Lou is very traditional. Um, rumor has it the reason why the fisherman wasn't the reverse retro um, when the program first started was because, again, Lou doesn't like it. He's very basic, very traditional. That's why their reverse retro was basically the same thing as their home jersey, just a darker shade of blue. So, um, so no, he does, he does not like it. I, I think the reason why it's going to come back this year is because um, – Dollars or accounts to the owners. And I think they know that a large part of the fan base likes it. They want to see it again. Um, so I think Lou is going to relent. But I can probably tell you he's not happy about it. Jonathan is saying that the Canes should wear their Whalers jerseys more. Actually, I think the Canes should wear their jerseys with the Whalers logo on it. So keep it as the red and just stick with that. Make make like – I like it that the paint – why is it – I think I'm a bit of a hypocrite on this, Anthony. Why is it that I like it when the Canes are doing it, but I hate it for where the the Nordiques logo is being used by the Avalanche? Yeah. Just asking. Yeah. uh, Roman, um, this is actually an interesting question. Um, Lou has so much control, and you you wouldn't even believe that this could be true, but he even supersedes Ledecky uh, and Malkin with decisions. Um, My brother... My brother writes for Newsday. He's a pretty big uh, one of their top reporters there. Um, and he's friends with Jim Bombach, who has covered a lot of the Islanders arena issues. And he's good friends with Ledecky. And he said that Lou basically Lou basically controls everything. Like Lou, um, Lou can even supersede. Like if Ledecky wanted to go and on a show or do a radio spot, um, Lou could tell him, no, he, he literally controls everything. Uh, 
it's crazy and it's odd, but um, that's the type of thing he requested when he came on. He wanted full autonomy, uh, and he has it. So, yeah, he, he has his hand in everything. <laughs> the Nordiques didn't play in a mall like the Whalers did. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, I and uh, as a matter of fact, speaking about the retro jerseys, Johnny Red is saying there, by the way, Johnny Red, good to see you as always. Uh, Rangers totally got what retro jersey uh, is wrong. Didn't mean reverse the colors. Of course, we got another blue jersey instead of a red one. Well, also, they could use the Liberty jersey. I think they are using the Liberty for that. I forget what the, which one the retro is now. They, they got so many damn different jerseys coming out all the time. It's just it's hard to keep up. So... Uh, sorry. Um, every oh. every team's getting the reverse retro again this year. So, well, which is good. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, at least at least do that. <laughs> On simpler terms, Lou acts like a dictator. Sorry, Anthony, I was clicking that for you. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, uh oh, Wicked's got some uh information for you. He's saying, Anthony, not sure if you heard this, but a little birdie that originally uh, Ledecky didn't want Lou but to join Malkin, but Malkin really wanted him. I mean, I butchered I, all I, that. <laughs> I mean, I I can see that Malkin's not Malkin's not a hockey guy, so um, you know if he's told that Lou is, you know, obviously Lou is a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, he's well known, so he probably just do up. Oh, He's out there. He's available. Let's get the best guy. So I, I could possibly see that being true. I think Jonathan's right on this one, although I think he's echoing what somebody else said. Rangers in red would be electric or just kind of lit. Um, I disagree with Romanello right here. I I, I just absolutely I, – I cannot look at those John Ferguson uh, – Winnipeg Jets looking Ranger jerseys. Absolutely never again. And thank yeah. God in in the annals of New York Rangers history, that was the last one Rod Gilbert wore. Awesome. Thank you very much. So <laughs> and yeah, uh, that was a butchered sentence by me, Wicked. You're right about that <laughs> one. Uh CJ is saying Oilers. Always seem to be beautiful, bright orange and beautiful royal blue colors uh, for jerseys way better than we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. That, 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 that hurts. CJ. <laughs> no, I'm, <kidding. laughs> I'm not a hater. I just never liked that. I grew up with a, with a, a, a basically bootleg Rangers Jersey with a crest on it. I like the fact that the Rangers don't have to put anything but their name on there. They're the only team in pro yeah. sports that just leaves their name on. Well, <laughs> then the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Ferguson era. I'm not, I'm not old enough to, to uh, remember the Ferguson era, but fortunately I, I'm old enough to know I don't like Fer, uh, John Ferguson and what he did to the New York Rangers. But that's a different story. We have some better news coming right up right now, everybody, because I you know, get the comments off right here. Because joining us right now, one of the best 
shutdown defenseman in the NHL. He is a gentleman on and off the ice, and he's got the hardware to prove it. Mr. Jacob Slavin is with us. Thank you very much for joining us, Jacob. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. Um, and first off, congratulations on the, the birth of your, your son. Um, that's awesome. Hope everyone's doing well. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah, everyone's doing um, great. Thank you. He's, uh, awesome. he's growing. So, <laughs> Is it num- number one, number two? Uh, uh, yeah, number two. Number two. Oh, nice. I got a okay. daughter who's three years old and then, then Charlie. Great. Um, before we get into hockey, I know Dwayne had said that you're, you know, that you're very involved with the hockey of Minist- ministries international camp. Um, I was actually very intrigued about that. Could you, could you tell us more about that and what exactly is your role? Yeah. So hockey ministries international, um, uh, it's a, it's a ministry who, they're, they do a lot of hockey camps during the summertime, but one of the cool things they do is they provide chaplains um, to probably thousands of teams now uh, throughout Canada, throughout the U.S., I think some over overseas as well. And so I think uh, from the time I've been in juniors, I've always had a chaplain on my team, and that's always been provided by volunteers through Hockey Ministries International. Um, and actually my chaplain that I had at CC ended up marrying my wife and I, uh, and then awesome. here out in, out in Raleigh, we have a chaplain and uh, him and his wife have became, uh, have become like our, our North Carolina parents uh, to Kylie and I. So it's been really cool. Um, but then I guess, so my role with them is just volunteering uh, during the camps. They do about 40 summer camps a summer, some in the States, some in Canada, and then some overseas as well. Uh, and so they've, they've had a camp here in Raleigh, I think the past maybe 12, 13 years. And then ever since I've been here in Carolina, I've been helping out with it every summer. Um, and so I just do on ice instruction, uh, uh, for the camp and then uh, actually we have a camp back in Colorado too uh, that we help hockey ministries uh, put on and then that one's super fun because it's kind of like just my family uh, my mom <laughs> kind of sets it all up with organizes it all and then it's me my sister both my little brothers um, and my older brothers he's helped he's helped out some helped out some too but uh, we're all the on ice staff counselors everything and so that one's a lot of fun because it's just with the family that's awesome that's great. Yeah, to hear that's too. I love to hear that's that great stuff. work. Yeah. Because between what Anthony said and also fill the stadium, you, you do a lot of great work with that. Um, you're considered as one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league. Do you think that the NHL needs to honor guys like you a little bit more? I would say like a, a defensive defenseman award, like a Rod Langway award or something like that. Um, I, to me, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I don't really care. Uh, no, it's defense isn't necessarily always pretty. And so I don't know if pretty gets the, the awards, but, um, it, yeah, it doesn't matter to me if they did great. If not, it doesn't matter. So it's okay. You know, cause I, I view yourself and, and Adam Pellick on the Island as, as the two best shutdown defensemen in the league. And, um, I think you guys should get more, you know, more attention, um, the more, you know, that I think it's very deserved. I mean, when you saw Roman Yossi and Cal McCarr putting up the points they do, uh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But what you guys do is, is to me, is even more impressive. So I don't know if it's something they would ever do, like create the Bobby Orr trophy and that goes to the highest scoring defenseman and the Norris is left um, as like all around. But um, I don't know. It's something that I, I would be open to. So I don't know if, if other guys in the league you think would like that or you think everyone for the most part is kind of just, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I think uh, I've heard a lot of fans talk about that actually yeah. and, and wanting like that kind of award. But 
Um, I think the guys in the league, I think it is what it is. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I think McCarr is one of the best players in the league. So um, I, I think he'd be just as capable of winning a defensive defenseman award as he is the Norris, right? And so yeah. um, he he won the Norris for a reason. And uh, he's, yeah. And so um, I think it is what it is at the end of the day, but um, maybe one day they'll do that. <laughs> You know, uh, I can't help but also think about this for you. It's almost like another year, another defense partner. Two years ago, Dougie Hamilton, uh, last year, and, uh, Tony D'Angelo. And now, have they announced that you're going to get Brent Burns to play with you? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think that's probably everyone's thought. I don't know why you would break up a Pesh, uh, Shazy, D parent. And so, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll gladly play with Burns, though. I think that's going to be awesome um, if it ends up happening. But He's uh he's a special player and so it'll be it's been it's like me and Dougie are pretty much the same age, me and Tony are pretty much the same age. So to have someone who's um older than me and has been in the league a lot longer than I have is gonna be is gonna be pretty cool to learn from too. Now your your Donald Dell was pretty busy this summer, you know, Brent Burns added Max Patch already. Um, but on the flip side, you know, you lose Vinny Trocek, Nito Niederreiter. Um, is it bittersweet, like when you add new guys, bring in new faces, but at the same time you lose some of your buddies in the locker room over the last couple of years? Yeah, it's always bittersweet. I mean, um, I think especially with our team, we had such a such a tight-knit group of guys. I mean, everyone in the locker room was well-liked. Everyone got along with each other. Uh, and so it's always tough to see guys like that go who you grow to know their families, um, their wives, their kids, whatever it is. Um, but then, I mean, one, it's awesome for them to get the contracts that they did. Like, they're it's well-deserving. Um, you just wish they could still be here uh, with you. And, I mean, they put so much into the organization and helped us kind of get back on our feet, right? Those are two big pieces and making us the team that we were. And so, um, I mean, we did a great job filling their shoes, but at the same time, it's always tough to see guys like that go. Jacob, I got to ask you about last year's playoff run. Now, when you're in the midst of a playoff run, does do you get to get excited about things and how stressful is it uh, just going back and, back and forth uh, the way things were? You guys were perfect at home, the great home advantage, but – I mean, the fans are going to get caught up and we're going to think about all the positive stuff, but do you get to enjoy the moment at all? Yeah, it's, it's always fun. I mean, especially playing at PNC, it's a blast. I mean, and even, even going to the, the Madison Square Garden and TD Garden, like those are some great road arenas to play in and crazy fans there as well. So it's, I mean, any, any playoff building is going to be fun to play in. Everyone's always hyped up and cheering, hollering, whatever it is. Um, and obviously two very passionate fan bases there uh, with Boston and New York. So um, that, that in and of itself makes it a blast. Um, and you, you can enjoy those moments for what it is or for what they are. But um, playing at home is awesome. PNC is unbelievable. The fans here are super rowdy, super passionate, um, and always screaming. I think they uh, are screaming no matter what's going out on, on the ice. They're screaming. So it uh, makes it loud, makes it fun. Um, but yeah, it, it, I wouldn't say it's too stressful. I mean, the playoffs, uh, I mean, you, you have to take it one game at a time. Um, we wish we could have uh, won one on the road, obviously, and, and you need to win games on the road. Um, but it's just not how it worked out last year. And so learn from that. But um, yeah, I, I, you enjoy it, all of it. But I mean, I, at times it does get stressful. You're like, oh, we're back to this again. Come on, got to figure it out. So whatever <laughs> it may be, but uh, for the most part, you enjoy it. Now, Jacob, before you joined us, uh, 
we were talking about just jerseys and the leagues bring back the reverse retro program. And a lot of our commenters were, were commenting on the Hartford Whalers jerseys. Um, is that cool? Like for you to put on a Whalers jersey? Like, is that, um, I know it's like the little things, but like do you guys like enjoy having a new look out there when you're wearing the green. Yeah, I think so. I think for the most part, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys enjoy it. I know guys in the past who have been here uh, were super pumped to play in it just because they were maybe fans of the Whalers growing up. So like, oh, I got to put wear a Whalers jersey. That's sweet. Um, but for myself, I wasn't necessarily a Whalers fan growing up. But I think the logo is sweet. I think the jerseys look really slick. Um, and so to be able to wear them and, and play, so like I think when we. Uh, Two years ago, we wore it in Boston, which was pretty special just because I know the, the rivalry that those those two teams had, right? And so it was pretty cool yeah. um, to wear it in Boston. Um, and so it was just a lot of history behind the jersey, which is cool. Now, I got to ask, how much are you looking forward to the franchise's first ever outdoor game coming up against the Washington Capitals in February? That's going to be awesome. Um, I've never... I don't think I've ever actually played in an outdoor game, like a legit outdoor game. So I think that's going to be so much fun. I was going to my junior season at college, but I ended up leaving. And so um, I, I didn't get to play there. And then uh, there was talks of it happening earlier. But now that it's actually finally happening, uh, it's going to be sweet. And to be here in, here in North Carolina is going to be sweet. Hopefully it's not one of the February 80-degree days, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> deal with that when we come to it. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped for it. I know the guys in the organization is super excited too. You don't have to worry. LA figured that out. They did one at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> right. so. okay, they can have one in all the fans wear shorts. You guys are out on the ice. Right. Exactly. There we go. Now the, the outdoor games when it started was very popular. Um, do you, do you feel like the novelty is, is still there? I know they added the stadium series games. And then there's winter classic, but you like the idea that they added more or do you think like there should just be one outdoor game per year and have it be like a really big event? I, th- I could go either way with that. I think when it was just the winter classic, that was pretty special. Um, but I think the way they've done the stadium series games, they've been able to incorporate more teams into it. Like if it was just the winter classic, I don't think the Canes will ever be getting a winter classic game. Um, and so for us to be able to have one of uh, these outdoor games, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I think you could go either way with it, but I, I don't mind that there's more of them. I think it's still pretty special. I know I think the guys get excited for it too. And obviously depending on the market um, for us to have an outdoor game, I know Raleigh's going going to be nuts over it. So it'll be really cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a hit with Nashville last year as well. So it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. great to get these, markets all involved uh i i i always gush about your teammate sebastian aho i that's one guy it's uh if you're a fan of any team you you just want him on your team what's it like to 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 not only get to play 82 games with him but also to see him in practice every single day oh it's special um he's he's one he's an awesome guy on and off the ice He's, he's just a great guy great locker room guy um funny personality uh witty personality but um is super competitive and so everything and everything is competitive we always go at it in the soccer circle um ping pong table whatever it is he uh he's he's a competitor and so it's fun to watch him um he cares about the game he cares about the team he's passionate um and then obviously his on ice skill set is just it's so good um he is smarts out on the ice where to be when to be there um, and then his just his skill set in and of itself is just unbelievable. And 
some of the plays he makes. And he, he might not be like the flashiest guy all the time, um, but he just, he gets everything done the right way. And it's, it's really special to watch. And it's, I just, I know I can, if I see him open, just give him <laughs> something that's probably going to happen. So uh, it's easy. Well, Jacob, um, yeah. you know, there's this off season, it's been fairly active, a lot, a lot of big trades. And I know the media and fans kind of eat this stuff up and they talk about it, but as a player, like, you know, when you see like, Johnny Gaudreau signing Columbus out of left field or the Matt Kachuk for Huberto trade, you know, 200 point players traded, traded for each other, which is rare in hockey. Do you and other guys like do you like text and be like, oh, wow, like I can't believe this move. Or is that just something that just us media and fans really kind of like talk about a lot? No, I think players talk about it quite often. I mean, I remember last year there was a lot of speculation about Eichel. Uh, I think possibly yeah. coming to the Hurricanes and like we had a group of guys in Raleigh like working out and you talk about that um, like oh what would have to happen for that to <laughs> come to fruition or um, and so I, I think guys talk about it you know we're we're working out during the summertime uh, I I'm here in Raleigh so there's not many uh, other guys here but I know like in some of those Canadian cities where there's lots of players uh, I think it's kind of you chat about it in the weight room whatever it is while you're working out you talk about hockey all year long and you go work out during the summertime and you still talk about hockey, but just what all is happening. Right. And so um, I think it's fun to talk about and see the different moves. Some of them can be surprising sometimes. Like um, I I wouldn't have expected Florida ever to get, to ever get rid of Huberto, but you know, they they did. So, (laughs) um, right. And so it just, sometimes it happens and that's part of the game. Um, But no, it's, it's, uh, it's just fresh faces and, and new places. And so, um, it can be cool to see those players in different jerseys sometimes. Now, you mentioned well, you're in rally and, and, you know, when terms of this point in the summer, when do guys really start ramping up and preparing for training camp? I know typically, you know, here in the end of August, guys are already starting to file in town for informal skates. But is this the time of year where guys are really getting on the ice and starting to ramp up? Or you still have another couple of weeks until that happens? Uh, honestly, I think it depends from player to player. I know for myself, I don't like to, I typically don't get back out on the ice uh, until August. So I actually, yesterday I skated for the first time since, uh, since what was that? June, early June and the May. And so that was my first time back on the ice um, outside of those uh, Christian hockey camps. But um, it just depends on the player. I know a lot of guys with kids will start coming back in, uh, at least in Raleigh, they're, they're filing back in next week, I think. And the next week because school starts the following week. Um, and so guys with kids will be here. Uh, but then most guys, I feel like, go go back to the team around Labor Day weekend because uh, camp's typically about maybe a week and a half away from that point. Um, and so it just depends on the player when you get ramped up. But I know for myself, uh, August is really when I get get it going again as, as far as on-ice stuff goes. Jacob, one of our co-hosts wishes he could have been here, and he actually has asked a question from remote for you, which was uh... – uh, what's it like not knowing that now you don't have to face like a Bernsey or a, um, or a Max patch ready next season. And what do you think they're going to bring to, to the team? Yeah. Uh, knowing that I don't have to face them. It's just nice. I remember, I think, I, I mean, when I think of Burns, I think of a shot and I remember we were playing San Jose a couple of years ago and he stepped out. I was all the way at our far blue. He was in the D zone, and he stepped out and fired a pass down the ice to, I think he was trying to hit Kane or something, but Kane ended up just, like, barely tipping it, and it hit me in the top of the foot. 
and I, it hurt to walk for a week just from one of his passes. And so <laughs> I'm excited just for, for, for his for his strength and his uh, just presence on the ice. The big guy moves well, um, but obviously can shoot the puck really well. And so um, for for our systems within our team, he's going to be awesome, uh, especially in the O zone with with how we like to play in the O zone. And so excited for that. Um, and then guys like Max obviously can score goals. And so whenever you, you have a goal scorer on your team that's not on the other team, that's always uh, a nice treat as a defenseman. Um, and uh, sorry, what was the other part of the question there? Oh, so what do, you, what, what do you think they're bringing to the team? I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of answered that within, within the question yeah. of not having to play against them. But, <laughs> I, I do um, have to ask you, are you going to try to match his beard? <laughs> I don't think I can. I don't think my wife will let me. All right. Uh, uh, Jacob, we're based out of here on, on Long Island. Um, you know, the Islanders had UBS Arena built. It was brand new. What were your impressions of playing there last season? Um, when you compare it to some of the other new arenas, did it stand out a little more? Um, it's definitely beautiful. I mean, we were only there once last year just with the way I think the schedule works now with uh, there being 32 teams. So we don't get to come there twice. Uh, but it, it was beautiful. I remember going on the bus ride, though, because we had been in New York that whole week. Um, just we, I think we played the Devils and the Islanders and then the Rangers later that week. So we had been in New York for a while. Um, and so it's just, it's a, it was a long bus ride out there. And it seemed like we were just in the middle of a bunch of neighborhoods and houses. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's the arena. So uh, it, was a, it was a good experience. So it was a beautiful arena, um, great soccer area before the game. So it's always nice. And then the locker room and that kind of stuff was, was top notch. Um, and then the, the rink itself was, was pretty cool. Uh, and so it was definitely up there with some of those new arenas. Can I ask you this? What can you tell us about Rod Brindamore that, say, the average fan does not know? Hmm. The average fan does not know. I mean, I think everyone knows he's intense. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that he's passionate and he has a great body. Um, and then I think outside of that, though, I mean, just, just the respect that he has for – for the guys on the team. I mean, he, he played the game for, what did he play, 1,600 games, 1,700 games. And so he's in the league for the longest time. But from the way he carries himself, you would never think that, man, this guy played 1,700 games in the NHL. Like, he doesn't think he's better than anybody that he talks to. Um, he treats everybody with respect and everyone um, equally in the same way. And so he's never looking down on anybody, which is really cool to see. Um, for someone who was who had such a great NHL career, and so just just this humility and the respect that he has for people is uh, is something that you might not always see through the camera. All right, we apparently had a technical difficulty. Anthony is right back with us right now. So, uh, but Wi-Fi, yeah, he's yeah, he's 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 a, been he was a hell of a player. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. all the days back to the Flyers, and obviously the. One, the first person to hoist the Stanley Cup for the Carolina Hurricanes. Hopefully, yeah, you guys will be able to do that again soon enough. Uh, Anthony, oh, I my my Wi-Fi had a little uh, mis- mishap there, so I missed the <laughs> I missed it, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, Jacob, when it when it comes to when it comes to next season, you look you look at the Metro. I know it's always a tough division. Um, but, you know, you had you had teams uh, last year and the Penguins and the Capitals, you know, they're older teams. Some people expect them to eventually fall off. But as a whole, um, do you look at the division and, and say to yourself that nothing's a guarantee that you're going to have to really night in and night out, you know, bring it because of how tight the division is going to be? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you can say that just about any division in the league. Um, I mean, any team in the league, not, you have to bring it every single night. I mean, every everyone in the league skilled. Um, and so I think especially within the, within the Metro, though, it's always been, I feel like for the past five years, it's always been so tight. Um, I mean, even when we were just missing the playoffs five years ago, we I think we missed it by like two or three points. I think that last the, the, the year before we finally made it, we didn't miss it by much. And so it's always been super tight. Um, but recently it's, uh, it's, it's incredible how you just see everyone's just within, within games of each other. And so I don't expect it to be any different next year. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, the, like you drove to Columbus, line A standing Columbus, that power play is going to be very dangerous now with, uh, Goudreau making steam passes to line <laughs> A whenever he wants. And so, um, that's, I mean, just their, their power play alone is going to be dangerous now. And then, um, no, I mean, obviously you. You have the Pens and the Caps, like you said, they're getting older, but they're still dangerous teams who know how to play the right way. Um, and they, they both, both those teams have won the Cup recently, so they know the way that it needs to be done. Um, and so, yeah, I, I can't foresee it being a, an easy year uh, in the in the Metro ever. I got to ask you about one of the most famous teammates you ever had, uh, David Ayers, uh, mm-hmm. the Zamboni driver in <laughs> Toronto. Uh, just what it was going through the locker room in, in this second period after uh, it was uh Reimer that had the lower body injury. Then Morazic gets trucked. And then it's now you're, you're an NHL team. You're about to have a Zamboni driver suit up for you. Uh, what yeah, first was, was, what were you guys thinking? And then how'd you guys feel at the end of that? Yeah. I mean, first I, I remember I, I've apologized to James multiple times for this, but I'm pretty sure I'm the reason he got hurt in that first period. I think I got pushed in from behind and I just, <laughs> I ran into his knee and I just hear him go, Oh, and I was like, Oh no, don't be serious. And then obviously uh, it was serious. And so I felt really bad. Um, but then yeah, Mraz goes down and then David comes in. I think it was the first two shots go in and then the period is just like, Oh man, this is, we got, we got a bunch. The third, I just have no idea. Uh, we got a Wi-Fi skip. <laughs> sorry. sorry. All right, sorry. We got you back. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, <laughs> where'd you Where'd you lose me? Uh, you, actually, just after you were talking about uh, uh, Peter's injury. Okay, so yeah, Raz gets hurt, and then uh, David comes in, and I think the first two shots on net go in. And so we're kind of like, oh, man, what this could be a really long night. Anyways, period ends, and we go back in the locker room, um, and we're sitting there, and uh, David's like, sorry, boys, I, I was nervous, but don't worry. I'm going to pull it together for the third period. And we're just <laughs> like, oh, like, don't worry about it, man. Like, just just enjoy this. This is awesome, whatever. And then obviously we go out there the third period. I think he made eight for eight on saves and end up winning the game. And so, uh, oh, it was, it was was really cool. Rowdy, uh, always talks about memories and there's, there's things that you remember that are going to happen throughout your career that you just, you, you remember. Um, and he's like, this is, this is one of those memories. You guys are never going to forget this experience. David's never going to forget this experience. And so really cherish it. Um, and, just how awesome and cool and unique of experience that was. It was, it was awesome. And so I know Kaniac nation, uh, 
was so excited for him and he came back and rode the Zamboni the next game or whatever. And so <laughs> I don't know why they didn't let him drive it, but um, it was, it was, it was super cool. And, and that's the beauty of hockey that it, it, you could just have a couple plays like that. And then somebody comes out of the stands and uh, <laughs> it, whether or not it happens, hell that happened with the New York Rangers in the Stanley cup finals in 1927, they ended up having their head coach suit up. So it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 super cool, and I, I know that's one experience that David will never forget. Um, neither will I. Anthony, all right. Uh, <laughs> so last year, uh, last year the NHL had to cancel uh, sending players to the Olympics, and you probably would have gone. Uh, how, how disappointed were you with that? It, it was a bummer. I think it would have been super cool to represent um, USA and, and going over there and playing the Olympics. It would have been awesome. But um, at the same time, it, like it, you kind of almost expected it just with the way things were still going. Um, and they, we still had our season to, to complete. And so hopefully, hopefully everything's done um, by 2026 and, and we're still in the, still in a position to be able to make the team and, and go from there. But it, it would be, it would be super cool and um, dream, come, dream come true to be able to represent the country. Now, Jacob, I believe you were around two years old or so, probably in 96 when the avalanche moved to uh, Denver. Um, were you, were you a fan of them growing up idolizing guys like Sackick and Forsberg? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I definitely was a fan, but they weren't, I wouldn't say they were my team. Um, actually I was, I was a goalie growing up. And so I had, uh, pictures wow. of Dominic Kasich all up in my wall. And so I was a huge, uh, Buffalo Sabres fan. Oh, wow. I don't know why yeah. I liked him, but <laughs> yeah, I had pictures of him and, um, loved playing them and, uh, with Buffalo and I think it was NHL 99 on the N64 and <laughs> Kasich and Jason Woolley. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, what, Barnaby was on the team too. Yeah, I don't know. It was just. Yeah, so it was just it was a, I remember just being unbelievable with that game. But um, so yeah, I was more of a Sabres fan growing up. But I think it was more just because of Hasek more so. So Brett Hull's foot was definitely in the crease, right? <laughs> oh, so I'm not even that big of a fan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our, uh, I'm going through my questions. I want to make sure I got everything. Um. So uh, talk about that Carolina has this ridiculous home ice edge and uh, there's the, you guys struggled a little bit on the road in the playoffs, but was it ever, um, does the home ice advantage ever work against you guys at times? Like maybe it fires up the opponents coming in or, I mean, there are other times where you guys just stifled the, the Bruins in the first round, especially and the Rangers in the second round. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever say height height uh, heightens up the opposing team, but um, I, I wouldn't say it is a disadvantage to us either. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, the, the fans, like I said earlier, are so passionate and they're yelling all the time. So the place is rowdy and it is very loud. I remember it was a game, game two against Washington that first year we made the playoffs again. And I think we had just killed off a penalty uh, towards the end of the game and then scored an empty netter and, where the puck drops again and I just remember the whole building felt like it was shaking I couldn't hear myself think it was like and those are like that was the first time I had experienced that necessarily in a 
in a hockey game. And so I just, that was, that's a memory that I'll, that'll always stick out to me and just that feeling of how cool that was. But, um, no, yeah, that home ice we have, advantage we have at PNC is great. I mean, uh, the surge is what it is. And it, I think it kind of lived its best days and it's still, still dragging along, but, um, the, the fans there, I mean, I, I first couple of years in the league, if it was a weekend game, we'd be lucky to maybe have 8,000 fans. And now just to see the, the turnaround of, of the community coming out and supporting us has been awesome. And I feel like on a, now uh, the worst that we get might be 15,000 fans in a game. And so it's been, it's been really cool to just see the, the community come back and, and support us as well. Was that the game you were referencing? Was that the one when uh, Andrei Sveshnikov fought Ovechkin? <laughs> And what was your, um, what's your thought about that? You're you're looking at this yeah. big time scorer fighting Alexander Ovechkin. Yeah. yeah, I was. I think I was out there on the ice for that, and uh, I remember seeing him start to push and shove a little bit. And then, especially, I mean, especially he's he's not going to back down to anybody. Like he's a he's a tough kid and and, and super strong. And so, um, I wish he didn't fight him, but at the same time, like he, he emotional part of the game, and so it, it is what it is. But. Um, yeah, it was I was tough to see him go down. Obviously, he's a key part to our team, um, and obviously, he's an unbelievable player. And so, uh, it hurt to lose him, but um, I mean, that's just that's part of hockey too. And so, points you, the points you earn on the bench after that, though, uh, lots of stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a great kid, and I don't think he's gonna. I don't know if he'll fight Ovi again, but um, <laughs> he's a t- he's a tough kid. It plays a hard game, so I know he, he gets under a lot of people's skins. So a little, lot of people's skin out there. Well, um, Jacob, but I think that that might have been game three or four, actually. Okay, game three. I think that was game three. Now, Jacob, before before we let you go, we like to ask a little bit of a fun question. Some of like the guys on NHL Network asked, but like growing up, what was your favorite? Your favorite video game? Um, I know you mentioned N64 before, but were you like a Mario guy or Legend of Zelda? Or what was your what was your go-to growing up? I played a uh, NHL hits was probably one of my like me and my brother's favorites. Um, you guys lose me again? Sorry. Yeah, uh, just for um, a second. Yeah, you yeah, say no, NHL so hits. Yeah, NHL hits was probably the best. We played that with my brothers a lot. Um, but then I think the best video game, the one I would go back to and only play that one was uh, when I was probably 14, 15, 16, uh, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. Um, I, no one couldn't be beat. And so uh, that, that was my favorite. I remember I logged hours of that. And so that was uh, uh, that was my go-to. Yeah, oh, that's, that, that's a good one. Yeah, my nephew mm-hmm. always loved that game. So yeah. I I played countless hours with him and he would just constantly school me on that. Right. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was a fun I, uh, one. I, I have, I have a six year old girl and she's obsessed with Mario. So I play a lot of uh, yeah. Mario Kart and Nintendo switch. So uh, maybe there we'll have go. some of that in your future. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not far off. My daughter will, I'm sure she would love to play it right now if we let her, but uh, a couple of years <laughs> out from that, I think. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for joining us, J- Jacob. Enjoy the rest of your offseason, and we wish you the best of luck in the regular season. And uh, maybe we'll see you when the Rangers are here in town for the Rangers and Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And thanks, can't, guys. Wait to, can't wait to get down to go see a game in Carolina myself, by the way. Got it. So. Got to do it. Just don't, don't come wearing a blue jersey. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. We're good. All right. Thank you very much, Jacob. <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks. See you guys. Bye. Bye. That was great. That was great. Jacob Slavin. All right. Let's get to some of your comments right here. Uh, obviously, we would have loved to have had uh, Mr. Aces High right here, Phil, on there. He was able to at least chime in on his lunch <laughs> break. Uh, uh, you know what? There's. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what, Mr. Sindastic. I think one of the be- the biggest differences. I think Gerard Gallant right away. David Quinn didn't really have any uh, answers. I think for Carolina and everything that they did. At least that in, in that playoff run. And it looked like Sveshnikov was going to be the biggest, biggest draw after that. Like I, I thought he was going to take off and have a career year the next year. Uh, yep. See, actually, Wicked, I think that was a good question. That's what we we're trying to allude to about when players get traded. What players think about that? Uh, and Ely, yep, very much so. It is. It is. Uh. Not a sm- it's not becoming a small market anymore. Uh, the David Ayers game. Yeah. See, I always I always like it when Phil could say an excellent question because whenever I, I bomb a question, <laughs> that's, that's, those are those ones I'm like, uh, uh, I do think we're going to get Nages at center. Uh, see, that, that could have been a good one. I think I think a lot of there's so many good things that came out of Rod Brendamore. I mean, and I, I think that's a great comment. He does. He's a guy that played 1600 games, as Jacob was saying, and he doesn't think he's um, higher than anyone. That's amazing. Amazing that anybody could be that humble, humble about all their accomplishments. No, there was a lot of Trocheck things. I didn't think about asking the Trocheck question. Um See, I we had we had a couple of the internet uh, go down. It was a, it was good that it wasn't. Well, first off, it was good that I mine didn't. So woo woo, I'm the last one standing that didn't have his his ear thoughts go down. Yes, the stadium series. Can't wait for that one. The Slavenator. All right, that's a good one. See, you know what, Johnny? That would have been a great thing. And I know that they stopped the uh, the storm surge. I I don't care. I would have loved it. Uh, just go right ahead. Keep it going. Don Cherry is the longer around. Go ahead. Keep going with the storm surge. Um. Uh, actually, that's a good one. Who was the best chirper? In the NHL. Oh, that would have been. See, so focused on doing the Chirons with everything else that he was saying. <laughs> yeah, about the beard. Uh, what would I like to see the Rangers, Islanders, reverse retros look like? Again, I'm a traditionalist. I, I don't even want the shield. The Lady Liberty, I can accept. I have one of them still. Matter of fact, I think I still got two of them, but uh, I, I'm not on that. I would love to see a brand new design for the Islanders. You don't, you know, honestly, the, I, I keep going back to you put the lighthouse on there, throw a whole new design out of nowhere for the Islanders. What is it? 
What would it be for Long Island that you would put on for the New York Islanders besides a bacon, egg, and cheese on <laughs> yeah. sandwich on a bagel? Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely going to be um, the reverse retro. It's definitely going to be a variation of the fisherman, whether it's the the wave jersey colors um, with you know with the island, the current Islander logo, something like that, or the fisherman logo. It, it's going to involve something, something with that. Um, curious to see when they get you know when they get unveiled hopefully hopefully all soon hey anthony actually i don't know this one does manscaped oh sorry wait hold on i missed the the one that was right there by the way i'm about to get some manscaped products other than the area that area do they sell razors for shaving your back or chest yeah (laughs) um i think the buzzers for the for the chest i don't know if they got one for the back that's a you know, I, I know a buddy of mine that like invented one for his back. So that's where it's, that's always a good thing. And, and D is saying again, youth hockey is amazing down here. Parents are moving to this area so their kids can play, you know, parents, a lot of people move to the Carolinas because that that seems to be where civilization is. So Chris Frost, Anthony, how about this one? Islanders are like the Red Wings. Don't mess with the logo. It's perfect. Yeah, and that, and that's why and that's why you had so many people that hated the Fisherman when it came out because you know you had a lot of the old Islander fans that were around for the Stanley Cup wins. You know, you take a logo like that, you get rid of it, and then you know you get your first off. Then you're you're a losing team when you switch a logo, and then you're getting mocked and with the Gordon's Fisherman and all that stuff. Um, really you know, hurt a lot of people. So I. I agree with that sentiment of don't of don't mess with it. And I think that's why a lot of people hated the fishermen right off the bat. Check out Phillips right underneath that. A lighthouse with a beacon swinging around with the original logo on it, like the bat signal. That would be cool. <clears throat> they might as well they might as well, they might as well put loose face on the front of a jersey because he controls everything. So <laughs> you know what would be great? For the Rangers and Islanders retro jerseys, put put the put the big apple, big yeah. apple right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know it's a little a little bit of a little bit of news and not and actually kind of surprising, but it was before Slavin came on, the stars the stars beat writer from the athletic put out an article saying uh contract talks between the stars and Jake Ottinger's camp have gone nowhere, which I didn't you know. Is a little surprising because I, you know, he's definitely an upcoming goalie. He was great for them last year. Um, you know, you would think that it would be something that would get done um, pretty quickly, and they wouldn't have any issues. But it seems like it seems like it is. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But the stars would be in would be in some big trouble if they couldn't get Ettinger signed. Oh wow! Hold on, David just answered the question for us. Manscaped has a lot of back shaving products. Take your current manscapes and put it in your girlfriend's hand broom and you got a manscaped back shaver okay there you go <laughs> so I, I i'm 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 pretty naturally hairless especially on the back so i don't have to worry about that uh, uh christy was asking the thoughts on huberto great signing and calgary now they're they're right back right back i i, I would say almost to where they were last year you still miss a good shock. That's a big piece. No, uh, Landers. <laughs> no, no thoughts on uh, what I told you about Ettinger, Mark. 
Right, uh, let's right, go back right, to Ottinger. Right. Yes, I'm sorry about that. I was still focused on the comments. I think I think it's eventually going to get done because he's he's an RFA. He's going nowhere. I think he's the last goalie. Well, him, Askarov. Well, trying to think of all the goalies drafted the first round. I almost, but he's the last first round goalie to currently be playing in the NHL. I think right now, right? But, yeah, Ottinger. He's very good. Yeah, I think he's the last goal we take it in the first round. Uh, maybe Spencer Knight. Any event, he was great uh, for the Stars against Calgary. So it, he's a definitely an up and coming star. I would love this. I would love it if Dallas can get him done. Dallas, I know they're a little bit cash strapped. They got him and Robertson. They have to sign. So mm-hmm. we're gonna see exactly what is what it's gonna take for that. It's going to get done. It's There's no way it's not. I'm going to look up the contract situation for him right now. I think that might be the issue. I think I think they only have $10 million or so of cap space, and Jason Robertson's probably going to take up seven of that, I would think. 10.35. Hmm. Yep. And, yes, Ottinger is an RFA. So – they don't have that many outrageous contracts, though. I mean, it's the two that we know that are the outrageous mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Tyler Sagan. Sagan. Yeah, Ben and Sagan. And Jesus. They need those guys to step it on up. And Pavelski re-upped at 5.5. So, because then after that, they still got Rupe Hintz and uh, Dennis Girionov that's got to be yeah. signed next year. So it's not going to be, yeah, it's it's not going to be right there. I don't know. They're going to have to figure that one out because there's there's a lot of there's a lot of work they're going to have to have in the future. And as far as Sagan and Ben go, they have full no move clauses for the duration of their contracts. Ouch. So, by the way, I'm going to end the poll right here. We asked. Who was the best shutdown defenseman in the NHL? Our guest, Jacob Slavin, got 41% of the vote. Adam Pellick finished second place with 28. And the last two names we threw on there, Aaron Ekblad and Drew Doughty, 16 and 13%. There was 53 votes that were on there today. Guys, thanks very much for participating in that. So far, only 23 likes. Come on, people. We need more likes. So that's how we get the algorithm in. Got to keep on, got to keep on digging. How is it, how is it that, um, I think when we did, when we did the Gaudreau, um, when we did, when we did the Gaudreau spot, we had over, I think 300 at one point. Um, and then the, and then there was another one. I don't know if it was the, I don't know if it was the, the draft day, draft day. We went over a hunt, not draft the, sorry, not draft day. Uh, cause that one, we went over 70, 80. Yeah. Uh, the free agency spending, we went over a hundred for the first yeah. time. Then the good row was three hundred. And it's, then yet, it, we have, yet we have it, Jacob Slavin on, and I think we didn't even top forty something or so today. So I, I don't. It doesn't make doesn't make much sense. I don't know. Uh, well, don't, we're still trying to we're still trying to navigate these waters of YouTube and stuff like that. And there's going to be promotions we could try to run with it that hopefully won't go to click farms. That'll just completely destroy our channel. So that's one thing that we're trying to do. But yeah, it might just be timing, like you said before. And um, 
you know, it's uh, it's it, it's stuff that's gonna be. We're gonna we're gonna get through this. It's it's when we're more established. Tags are in there. I optimized the video as best I can. Yeah. It's there. There are times where after that, where we had shows that we were at eighty five ninety, and that's the reason why I was staying on for four yeah. hours to make sure I kept people <laughs> on. So yep. it it's it's all those things. And as Phil says right there, might just be timing. It's totally fine. But we're still building up our audience. You guys are doing great. Everybody's everybody is fantastic that has been supporting us. Uh, I can genuinely say we have about two thousand, uh, almost twenty five hundred subscribers, and it's it's the people that are actually still here and doing it. So I, by the way, I kind of uh, where is Angel saying? Angel, make the road teams wear their darks again. I kind of miss home whites occasionally. Yeah. But I'm so used to it Me now. I, I don't even think about it. Uh, days of the week matter. Uh, when do your subscribers come in? There's so many different things. Times uh, times of streams are going to limit viewers. That's right, too. Uh, there's, there's so many other factors, but it's also the freshness of the news story. And we were beating a lot. of Our, our ratings are actually better than the Hockey News channel. So, all right. And and we're even missing a, a core piece right now. We we're missing Filk at the moment, so we know we know that's what the people want. <laughs> uh, that they want to see their Filk. Um. Uh. So it's it's one of those things. It's just getting out there. It's just more stuff that we we're gonna have to that we're gonna get through. It's not. It's it takes years to build up an audience, and that's what we're doing right now. But we're gonna take some more of your questions. Uh, right now it's two forty four. We're gonna go to three o'clock. Unfortunately, everybody, that where I am gonna stick to that three o'clock deadline today and not <laughs> for much past it. So it's and I even got closeout music to play now. So you do? It's, yeah. Um, there's a there's a song from my cousin that. Uh, he passed on about uh, 10 years ago now, but uh, there's a song that he has that perfectly fits for closeout music. Yeah. That would be, uh, it's it's called Bye Bye. So, What about closing time? It could do that, but we're, then we're going to get a copyright strike. <laughs> this one I own the, well, not own. I could at least get the copyright for that in case I they ask me to do it. I get you. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Oh, no, that's all right. Uh, although I'm not sure if that sorry was for me or if it was Filk. <laughs> Filk needs to come on the rage monster and be the building. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the hockey news, but they're, they're, you know what? For the most part, we are the only interactive uh, podcast that's on youtube in any way that's like, true all the rest of them they'll just air their stuff and stay on with you we actually have a format and we have a format that we turn it over to you guys we always do that where it's the questions um yeah <laughs> and romanelle yeah the, well your your work is just as important as mine i have to make the content you have to you have to you have to listen to my voice <laughs> no, fortunately, my cousin was not part of NSYNC. Yeah, there's 
there was some hockey digest or hockey news magazines that just they always pick the low hanging fruit. Anthony? Um no, I was I was gonna say when it when it comes to RFAs, every it feels like every summer there's there's a few RFAs, um, Mark, that that linger and go on to September still still unsigned. So obviously Ottinger. Um, so some of the RFAs that are on that are still unsigned, um, I'll give you some names and you kind of get me if you think any of them if any of them are going to be problem negotiations. But Pavel Zaka, I think that one should go clear, uh, that one should go smoothly. Lawson mm-hmm. Krauts should go smoothly. Big at Jake Ottinger, um, Mason Appleton, Winnipeg is eight million dollars of cap space that really shouldn't be an issue. Rasmus no. Sandin, Rasmus, San, Rasmus Sandin, that one I think Toronto has basically no cap space. Have to sign him. That might take some time. Um, Romanov and Dobson, we know those are in draws and in, in Lou's desk. Phillips Zadina in Detroit hasn't really lived up to his his draft hype. Um, I don't really think he has much leverage. You would think that one would get done soon. Um, Philip Kurashov in Chicago, kind of unknown guy, came in and actually put up some decent numbers for Chicago. Uh, Again, still that one should be a layup. Um, so there's really not many. I mean, Jason Robertson's really the big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Hill Flurry, that's no biggie. Alex Fermentin in Ottawa. Yeah, so really, if, if you if you look at it, high-profile cases, really Ottinger, Robertson. Um, I mean, that's really about it. Noah Dobson's a big name, but we know no one has to worry about that. Um, Eric Brandstrom in Ottawa. Um, again, Hasn't really lived up to his hype. Um, and then you got Natchez in Carolina, which, you know, they don't have much cap space. They're only a little over $2 million. So um, that one might be a problem because I don't think Car- – did Carolina have anyone that go to arbitration? If not, they don't They don't get that second buyout window, so they so they can't buy out Jake Gardner. Um, so they, they, might have to, they might have to move somebody to sign Natchez. So those, so those are some of the um, the RFAs. Any of those names, Mark, uh, stick out and make you say that one might take some time. Robertson is the one I say right away that might take some time. Uh, I think that could go into camp, and if that goes into camp, how much does that affect Ottinger? Because I know you just said they're 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 wide apart. Um, there's. There's a guy that uh, okay, Warren is saying. Uh, they have, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't realize they had. So then, yeah, they could get a second buyout window triggered. Then, which I wonder if there's a way to yes. figure out what buy out this contract. All right, let's buy out the current contract. If that happens, the cap calculations, the buyout cost is uh, 1.48 million. They saved 2.9 this year, but they're hit with 1.5 the next year. Uh, Oh, sorry. 1.1 this year. And then 1.5 the next year. So it's not... Buying out Jake Gardner wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. At least they mentioned Jason Robertson. You think it's... I, you, you think it's going to be a problem because tough negotiate because they have they have ten million dollars and it doesn't seem it seems like a layup. I, I don't I don't know if Robertson's going to be if if he's going to be difficult. Um, but 
it may take some time just because, you know, they do have to sign Ettinger as well. I think it's, I think that's a problem. They have to sign two guys and it's also Robertson's really starting to show that he's, he's a player. And the question is, can you bridge them or can you, which could, it could happen. And they could just bridge them and then just wait two years and then try to get them the big money. Which, if that happens, that's a win for Dallas. Let's say you give them a two-year bridge. That gets you to the point where you can save enough money. You can get. You can then possibly bridge Ottinger again, not again, or use Ottinger on a bridge, and then you can re-sign Rope Hints the next year. Which that's mm-hmm. a big one. That's that's another one you got to think about signing. That's why sometimes whenever I have the conversation with Ranger fans about. Uh, X amount of dollars going to Capococco or, oh, they should go get Patrick Kane or they should do this. You, you Next year, you got to you gotta figure out yep. how to keep Miller and Lafreniere under the cap. I and agree. there's probably going to be another a short bridge deal for those two. But that's why Jacob – because Jacob Trouba has got a full moment trade clause. We've gone over this a million times until 2024. I- and – that's where you get to get your bunny back. Go ahead, Ant. Speaking of buyouts, I expect the Devils to possibly buy out Andreas Johansson. Um, they have their they have their second buyout window triggered after um, the Miles Wood arbitration. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I think I mean because right now you wouldn't think it because they're they've been a bad team, but you know the Devils only have seventy three thousand dollars of cap space right now, and you wonder yourself like how like who do they have on the roster? Mm-hmm. They have $73,000 of cap space left. So I think it would be wise if they use that second buyout window on Andreas Johansson. Um, Calgary has their second buyout window, and I got to wonder if if they buy out Sean Monaghan. Um, if he's healthy, then they can buy him out. If he's not deemed healthy, they can't. But they're also against the cap, so it's possible that they could possibly buy out Sean Monaghan. Now, this is one thing that State of Survival is saying. Well, it's in a dead cap era, and since the, the cap is going up next year, why not buy players out? Why aren't there more buyouts? I think because the worst buyout situation, period, is Minnesota. You don't want to be Minnesota out of nowhere. Not that anybody is going to be, because that was a very unique situation. But I can't believe, I still can't believe that they bought them both out just like that and took $14 million worth of cap penalties for two more years. Uh, I, I think buyouts are always a tricky thing because I could argue that the New York Rangers probably could have not bought out those guys that they bought out. They're going to get $4.4, uh, $3.4 million back on the cap next year because yeah. their buyouts for Girardi, Shattenkirk, mm-hmm. and D'Angelo are all going to be, be off the books. But I, I don't like the idea of doing too many more buyouts. So... It's, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. It's. I mean, look at look at the Wild. The Wild have those massive buyouts from Preez and Suter on the books. So that's and David's by the right. way, David's David's mentioned this right here: nine yeah. million dollars for Hughes and for Heischer, and you're you're paying them for their futures. They got to start staying healthy and producing that. Well, he, yeah, Hughes is actually eight million, and and he shares seven point two. But the point stands; they're getting paid a lot of money. Um, but it's funny that they're right up against it. They're right up against the cap. I mean, um, 
you know, and they have Sharon Govich, which is a RFA next year. Um, he's $2 million. He'll probably get a raise. Uh, so, yeah, you know, they, they have some, they have some issues there, but, um, they're, yeah, they're, they're going to, it would probably behoove them to buy out your hands and save them some, uh, give them some breathing room. That, uh, Andre Palat deal has the chance to go sideways very quickly. Yeah, it does. I don't think I don't think it, it's going to. I think he's a good player, but uh, I never buy a player. It's absolutely insane. This is what Romanello is saying. Uh, you just give up cap space and handcuffing your future. Yeah. Well, it, the question is, what's exactly the terms of the buyout? I mean, the Rangers bought out one year of Henrik Lundqvist, one year of Dan Girardi, or I think it was two years of Dan Girardi, and then spread it out. Uh, there are so, there are so many times where, take for instance. I mean, the Mets are going to be paying Bobby Bonilla a, a million and a half dollars until uh, tw- I think it's 2032. Whereas they ate that money for Jason Bay for one year without thinking twice. And that was much more. That was 15 million, I think. So it's sometimes it's better to just eat the money right away. Yeah, you're right. A long time. Yep. But. Well, it's just uh, crazy how many there really are so many teams that have I think there's only I think there's only thirteen teams that have more than two million dollars of cap space right now, which is crazy to me. Um but it's just the nature that we're living in right now. This is something that I was invented last year and I have no idea how I ever lived without it. But Kevin Weeks Breaking news from anywhere, including I yeah. think one time he did it taking a dump and half, half his face and half his it, face in, in the yeah. Twitter videos. It's always like half his face or really straight. Like he's it's you know, it's funny though. He's you know, he's very he's very in touch with going on. He's climbing up the ranks of, you know, being one of the more reliable insiders. And, you know, he's having some fun with it. So good for him. Good for him. Absolutely. Kevin Wink's such a such a great guy. You know what's going to happen, right? What? You know what's going to happen, right? What? He's going to do one of his, uh, when the time comes, he's going to do one of his breaking news tweets about about Kadri and the Islanders and the man whose face you just took off the screen there is going to make him go missing shortly after he makes that tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Horse head right in the bed. Yeah, it, those things those things are just so great. Um, and and yeah, I know that there was the uh, made off money that it was all supposed to be, but still, it's just you know. Uh, yeah, you did you didn't miss slaving, unfortunately. Um, but you don't have to worry, Dave, because you could always rewind. But what you but what you didn't miss yet though is Mark's gonna call Lou right now and ask him if he signed Kadri, so you're not gonna miss that. Uh, I think the music is over here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe I'll start calling him. I don't know. I don't know about that yet. But uh, I, I just know that I just know that I have to be at work tonight, so I'd have to explain to Lou. Look, look, Lou. If if you kill me, someone's got to cover my shift. <laughs> so I don't. I don't think that's gonna. He'll be like, Ah, oh, no, no, it's all right. 
So th- that's that's why I got Ross Johnston. Wait, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this was uh, in addition to StreamYard recently where you can start adding in your own music, too, if you do that. This is a song my cousin did back in the 90s. It's called Bye Bye. And it's, it's he's a little bit more of a classic rock guy. So, uh, but this was this was a hell of a two hours, and you know I I can't call Big Lou. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That'll be that'll still be even an interesting conversation where it's gonna be like, hey, so um, can I can I at least get your name? No, no, I'm not telling you. My name. <laughs> but but he asked for your name. Oh no, no. He just what? kept on saying, who is this? I'm like, I never even, I I, I told him my name. I, I told him. He wouldn't tell oh. me his name. So, so <laughs> well, I was like, oh my God, I called the wrong number. Yeah. Because also I'm such a, I'm, I'm such, I'm such a terrible phone call. I really am. Unless I know what I'm doing. Are you planning a BAH game for everyone to meet up at? Yes, we're planning on doing some meetups still. We were supposed to do a big one to start the year for the Islanders and the Rangers. That was back in December, but then the Islanders all got COVID. And uh, if we got Drury's number, would you call? You know what? I got other things to talk about Chris Drury about. I can tell you that. I had One of the people I'd talk to Chris Drury about is Travis Roy. That would actually, like, get him distracted for a second. Yeah, Did and you guys I see this a couple of weeks ago when it was announced that they hired Doug Huda and Wiseman as their assistant coaches, and then this last week it was announced they hired John McClain and Wiseman was, wasn't joining the staff. So although we had, some people thought maybe the Islanders wanted to distance themselves just in case he was involved uh, what happened um, with you know in that little thing there, and they didn't want to be associated with it. Um, but yeah, I mean... I, I, I guess I would take John McClain, so I'm not happy. I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, John McClain's a Lou guy, and I know that that was one of the firings that like they they talked about this. I remember years ago when Butch Goring was fired by Milbury, and it was it, it like broke Milbury's heart to tell him he was firing him for the one job he ever wanted. But the other answer on that is, yeah, you know Lou didn't want to fire John McClain. Before we go, did you hear um, Kyle Poso was on Spitting Chicklets with the guys like last week? And he, you know, had a lot of interesting, interesting things to say about the uh, the Islanders and everything. They talked about how Garth Snow became the general manager. Um, do, you know, do you know what the backstory was and how it happened? No. Go ahead. So, uh, DiPietro was obviously close with Charles Wong, which is why Neil, he said that's why Neil Smith quit. Neil Smith found out that Charles Wong gave him the 15 year deal behind his back, and Neil Smith's like, I'm out. Um, but Wong and DiPietro were real close, so Wong was saying, Who are we going to get to be the general manager? And Ricky Pietro said, Well, you know, Snow has interest in that. He's always sitting in the back of the bus looking at like salary and, and this and that. Um, and, you know, he, he'd make a good general manager. He's a good. He's a good general manager of fantasy. He's a good manager of a fantasy hockey team. And Charles Wong, based on that, Ricky Piotro's recommendation, decided to make Arsenal the general manager. You can't, you can't make this up. I actually that's don't what, think that's, Garth... That, uh, that's what Oposo said. I, I don't think Wong was a bad owner for the Islanders either. It's he was just, just unorthodox. He was just yeah. unorthodox about 
you know, he didn't know much about the sport going into it. Um, so he kind of just, you know, did the best he could. But yeah, I couldn't believe that. Like, that's how literally how that came to be. Ricky Piotro said that he'd make a good general manager because he has interest in it and he's always looking at numbers and a good fantasy hockey guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right, let's make him general manager. I mean, I got to credit, I got to credit at least Gert Snow for picking some diamonds out of the rough that he's done before. Yeah. So, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due. So, because he found Michael Grabner, he found uh, uh, Hickey, he found uh, Matt Molson. They were yeah. they were guys that he picked off the scrap heap, but they ended up having career years for the Islanders. So, there are also some that didn't. So, that's a different story. All right, guys, we're going to sign it off from here because uh, we got a lot we got to do. I got to get this up for the uh, – the, the podcast crowd, the iTunes and Spotify people. And you guys, you guys are great as always. We're going to keep on making content all throughout the summer. And uh, hopefully there'll be all three of us soon enough. Guys, thank you very much. And everybody have a great day. Good day. <laughs>